Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities. And as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Welcome. We are finishing our series, The Power of His Grace. I told the people who were here yesterday evening that today will be the best. I've saved the best sermon for today. So, that's why you're here. God bless you. So, the power of his grace, and we've been really reminding ourselves of our roots. Oh, we have some pastors in the house. Pastor Stuart, Worship Harvest Chira, Pastor Calvin, Worship Harvest Bugolobi, Pastor Talent, Worship Harvest Chanja. Hey, Pastor Blesso, Worship Harvest Makerere, Pastor B3, Worship Harvest Gayaza, Pastor Agi, Worship Harvest Nairobi, Pastor Ari, Worship Harvest Nalia, and then your neighbor who doesn't yet know the location they are going to plant, but as sure as night turns today, I am almost convinced they are going to plant one. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so we've been reminding ourselves of, of the roots of this whole thing called salvation. I was having a conversation with a friend of mine on uh, today is what? Sun, on Friday. You know, the, the days are funny around this time. Like, I woke up and I was like, hey, you mean there's service today? <laughs> I was having a conversation with a friend of mine and this friend of mine is a pastor of a very good church. Not only is he a pastor, he is more educated than me in Bible things. He's a doctor. And not these doctorates where they send you an email and you contribute $500, then they call you a doctor. I jevalue you, those of you who have such doctorates. And we insist that we call you doctor. Mercy. So this friend of mine is a doctor and a pastor. And he has grown up in church all his life. He has been in church all his life. He got born again at seven, when he was seven years old. And he said a most shocking thing. Can I, can I tell you what he said? The people this side don't want to hear what, what the man said. So, I mean, I'm just going to have to go to Nairobi and, and share with them what, what a shock. I stay here. So this is what he said. He said that even though he has been born again all his life and been serving and a pastor, he and a doctor, he said he finally understood the gospel in 2019 seated in his doctoral class that's when it occurred to him what exactly it is that Jesus has done for us 
And he was already a pastor. Oh no, he's not 18. Now, if it could happen to that person who has been seeking the Lord all his life and serving, it can happen to any of us. So first sit down and I tell you. I also grew up in church. What a blessing. My address was church. You too. Now mine was a bit different. I grew up in a more traditional church. This guy grew up in a Pentecostal church. Yeah. But I, I gave my life to Christ in senior too. That, that last time. Because <laughs> before that, I've been giving my life to Christ many times. Every time the preacher came, you just thought about all your sins that you had committed that time and, and during the holiday and you walked forward. And then you stay saved for about two weeks <coughs> and quit. And then by the time you come back from, from holiday for the next time, when another preacher comes, we just examine and say, really, I need another dose. It's like, what was this that we were doing? So, anyway, finally in senior two, I think the guy who preached to me helped me understand better. And I, ne- I knew I, I didn't need salvation upgrades. Mm. So, uh, it, it, it stuck. It's, you know, like when you keep throwing things on the wall and they keep falling off, this one stuck. But I also didn't understand the gospel. So I was in church. I served. I did everything you do. I I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I spoke in tongues. I, I led worship. I preached. I did everything. I got married. Oh, yeah. Some of you are going to get married this coming year. Some of you have I'm, I've given you a deadline for marriage. It's 2024. <laughs> Who is not happy? How can you come to church and you're not happy? You jeopardy them. It will be a glorious year. There is a joke. I'm not. We are on TV, guys. We have to make sense to everyone. Now, so <laughs> wow, I had to be a glorious year. Fortunately, <laughs> sit, sit. Please sit down. Now, so I, I got married. And guess what? Now, I did the unthinkable. I started a church. But I didn't understand the gospel. I thought that what God has done in Christ is very little. 
and it needs a lot of my own yeah you know like when someone gives you three beans then they say prepare a meal yeah so then you have to go look for beans <laughs> work hard just feel like you know so for the longest time you know i felt like a failure as far as the things of god are concerned because i could never measure up your prayer is not enough your bible reading is not enough your giving is not enough nothing ever was enough and when you start looking at your failures especially the ones that other people don't know about ha that's when you're like god me i'm just going to serve you but i don't know hopefully you are not too into looking into my things too much that was the life to be a Christian meant to carry heavy burdens of guilt, shame, condemnation, failure, and secret sins and public smiles. AKA hypocrisy. Like you would come to church and think, I must be the worst sinner here. Everyone looks like they've got it together. But that actually may be a sign to you that you actually love God. That's why you feel like that. But you have not understood his love for you. So, as you can imagine with that kind of approach, our marriage wasn't doing well at all. At all. Life was tough. You know, you can pretend until you get married. Yeah. Marriage is the end of all pretense. It's the litmus test. You see me here. I thought I was a good person. Yeah. I, I thought I was a very good person. Ah, a man of God. And then I got married, and all those illusions were blown into smithereens. Those who don't, you know, when you come to my summons, you have to have a dictionary nearby. Because, because uh, yeah, some of you are now seeing Smith, who? <laughs> Meanwhile, one time I was preaching like this. Then, when I finished and, and sat down and closed the service, one guest who had been brought by someone else was wondering when the preacher is coming. So in case you're one of those people wondering when the preacher is you think I'm the opening act for the preacher Curtain Razor I never let you So (laughs) What's going on? Smithereens Yeah, smithereens That's what's going on So I found out I was not loving at all, at all, at all. I was a selfish, proud prick, religious zealot. Sad you see. 
Yeah, there's someone wrote a, a book, God Needs to Save Christians. I needed to be saved from my own construct of what the gospel was. Hard work, slavery, laboring, and never getting it, never having enough of it. Give me Romans 5, 1. And I say something. I'm introducing the, the sermon. Let's what one, two, three read. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. First leave it there. You know, one of the signs that tells you you have not understood the gospel is when you are born again, but you don't have peace with God. You are born again, but you think God is walking around with an electric cable which has power on it wanting to electrocute you because of all your failures like you know (laughs) you think God walks around with a power cable without you know those sockets where they remove the thing and their cables hanging out of the wall don't touch them live wires so that's what I thought. And I, I, I found out later I wasn't alone. Oh, we were a whole bunch of us who thought God is mad. And it's usually those who desire God more. It's like the more you desire God and you are legalistic, the worse you, you are. Think about Paul. Yeah, not everyone was going around killing Christians. But he was a zealot. He said, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Now, it's one thing to be a Pharisee. It's another to be a Pharisee of Pharisees. So the longer I stayed in church, the sadder I became. And it was a case of, there is heaven to gain, so I'm going to stay here, however hard it gets, until I go. So life was about there and nothing about here. Yeah. And that's when we, we did that discipleship evangelism course by Andrew Womack. And everything changed. For the first time, I started to understand the gospel. For the first time, I started to understand that salvation is by grace. You don't earn it. It's not by works. I started to understand that righteousness is a gift from God. You can never do well enough to be acceptable to God. He gives you his own righteousness as a gift. I started to understand that there is something called forgiveness and it's real. It's not temporal. I started to understand that eternal life is eternal. Not interrupted. I started to understand that I was loved. Not because I was lovely. But because he who loves me is love. And everything changed. Our marriage changed. 
life changed. People started getting healed, saved. The church started growing. 17 years later, here we are. And we have to keep reminding ourselves of what God has done for us in Christ. Yesterday, I spoke something here, and and later on, I, I started thinking a little about it. The difference between old covenant and new covenant. Can I, can I share with you? Ah, no, no. Before I go there, I, I needed to finish this introduction. We have peace with God. So if you're in church, but you are that person who is always worried about what God is about to do to you in a bad way, you have no peace with God. Rather, you should be thinking... I wonder what God is planning for me today. Like, I, I know he always has something up his sleeve to bless me daily. Give us that, that verse. He daily loads us with benefits. The God of our salvation. Selah. And then we'll go back to Romans. Blessed, one, two, we read. Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us not curses the God of our salvation Selah. do you know who wrote that his name is called David was he a perfect man let me help me check with your neighbor if they have ever killed anyone not even a chicken they have not even killed a chicken Hmm. Yeah, when I was young, we used to kill chickens. But I, I, I fear people who kill rabbits. I don't know how they do it. But let's stick to the sermon. The person who wrote this actually killed a person. And not one. Many people. But he's talking about benefits. You, when you see a rat, you run away. But you're thinking God is going to. <laughs> oh, yes. One time we were in a certain restaurant and a rat manifested. <laughs> you would think they had dropped a bomb in the place based on the speed at which people were taking off. So this man says God loads us daily with benefits. And he says he's the God of our salvation. How about waking up with that expectation every day? That today, look, daily. As a parent, there's no day that I wake up and I'm not thinking about my children. I'm just thinking, I hope they're okay. They have what they need. Uh, what? Every day. No, you think, and God says we are wicked. He says, you being wicked know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more? Will the Heavenly Father not give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Why do you think God is more wicked than you? Let me put it that way to just challenge 
The question is not questioning. On the scale of wickedness, from wickedness to goodness, which side is God? Now, you, God, said you're on the wicked side of the spectrum, but you are always thinking of good things for your children. He's on the good side of the spectrum. What makes you think he's not always thinking of good things for you? You see, good things start to happen to people who believe that God loves them. We have peace with God. Romans 5.1 Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. What are the next two words? And rejoice. You're not loud enough. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. The two things that usually show you where you are standing as far as your understanding of God's relationship with you is concerned are peace and joy. The third one is love, but that one you have to pitch other people who, who experience you. And they're like, hey, my sister is tough. But for you on the inside, it is peace and joy. The less peace and joy you have, the less understanding you are having of God's relationship with you. Now, I was telling you about yesterday. Oh, I've already started. In fact, before you know it, I'll be finishing. Now, I need to, I need someone to, to be an example. Pastor Quaker come. Yeah, in fact, yeah, yeah, good example. No, it's jokes. Now, this is Pastor Kweka in whom I'm well pleased. So, now, in this example, you are unclean. But you will never be unclean in Jesus' name. Now, in the old covenant, are you you seeing? You need to look up. In case you're using your Chinese phone. Which starts with the letter of the alphabet. (laughs) In their old covenant... When there was an unclean person, whoever they touched became unclean. That's why there are feminine laws about uncleanness. Leviticus is full of them. And there were so many things that could make you unclean, including your monthly visitor. (laughs) Now... Plus other things. Endless number of things could make you unclean. So people were constantly watching out for unclean people. Unclean people yeah. Not to contaminate them. That's the old covenant. And unfortunately most of the church still operates like that today. You go to church everyone is looking out for who might contaminate me. Wow. Stay away from them. Wow. That was the old covenant. If an unclean person touched a clean person, the clean person became unclean. And now if two of you unclean people went around and touched other clean people, they all became unclean. So you were just distributing uncleanness. That's why when you were a leper, they had to lock you away into a a leper colony so you don't contaminate other people. Are you understanding? That was the old covenant. And then Jesus came on the scene and completely flipped things. Now I've started telling you about the gospel. 
When Christ came, yes, sir. every unclean thing or person that touched Christ became clean. It was the reverse. And what, what did he do? What made him like that, by the way, is the Holy Spirit. So he also gave us the Holy Spirit. Oh, yes. So then now, also us, wherever we go, we, are, we have a cleansing influence. That's why he says you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth. Why? Wherever you are, all the decay gets stopped by your presence. The uncleanness doesn't come your way. The cleanness goes their way from you. Give me Romans 8, 11. You can sit so that we see that what I'm saying is true. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, I don't hear you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give uh-uh, what will happen? Will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Like the Holy Spirit cleanses your body. Gives life to your mortal body. Oh, I feel like I'm alone in this church. You see, the Bible calls Satan a liar. The father of lies. And that's why it says, stand against in Ephesians 6 the wiles or the lies or the deception of the devil. The only way Satan can deceive you is by is, can defeat you is by deceiving you. And the first area of deception is identity. Yeah. He deceives you into thinking you're still a sinner who distributes sin around. Instead of thinking you are the light of the world you are the righteousness of God you are the son. You are a son or a daughter of God, who who distributes life around. Let me ask you. Those of you who have been going around this year doing evangelism. How did the person get saved? Who was talking? You were talking, and the person got saved. What, what happened there? <laughs> Something of you came upon them. You see, the devil wants to keep every human being captive. That's why this message of the gospel, the enemy doesn't want it to go out. So, people love a sin. The Bible said, Jesus said, people love darkness. People love darkness. But for you to come and you share a few words in English or Uganda, whatever language you're using, and in a few minutes someone decides to get out of darkness into light, just know it's a supernatural experience going on. Because they are making that decision even when they already have plans for evil for the next three days, which now they have to abandon. Satan doesn't want you to see that. He wants you to look at yourself as a weakling, as just human. It's not true. It's not true. It's not true. 
So, the thing that happened with Jesus, unclean people touching him, that's why Jesus could touch lepers and get away with it. He didn't touch lepers and say, uh-huh, we are sending you to the leper colony. We saw you touching the leper. No, instead the lepers lost their leprosy. When the woman with the issue of blood touched Jesus, he should have been rendered unclean because that's one of the things that makes the person unclean. Instead, cleanness, virtue left him to her. I'm just telling you who you are and what it is you should be doing. I know you have already been doing it, but you may be doubting whether you should continue. Continue distributing life in every environment because you have a limitless source of life, of resources, of finances. You know, sometimes Christians don't believe that you have a limitless source of money, but it's true, you have a limitless source of money. Hmm. Eh, the church is quiet. Have we joined the denomination? I said you have a limitless source of money. When you have a certain understanding, certain limitations no longer apply to you. They only apply to certain people, but not you. Including little things like finances. Are are, are you with me? 2 Corinthians 5.16. Let's go to the text for today. Paradventure. Therefore, from now on, because of all the things I've shared and what Paul shared here before, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. We regard no one according to the flesh. Do you know the first person you should stop regarding according to the flesh? Yourself. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Woo. Do you know you have some money in the flesh? But do you know how much money you have in the spirit? You have some friends in the flesh, but do you know how many friends you have in the spirit? Let me give you a, a simple example. You have a family in the flesh. You have siblings, brothers and sisters. But do you know how, how much family you have in the spirit? You see, people who understand what I'm talking about are the people who will go to any country in the world and there will be someone there waiting to pick you from the airport, house you, feed you the whole time you're there, deliver you back to the airport, and you come back without you spending even one dollar. Why? Because you have a family. And they are not your natural relative. They are just brothers in Christ. Make your Christianity practical. Don't be a zealot. I'm, I'm, I'm. First Corinthians. Chapter 2. My script is suffering. First Corinthians chapter 2. I feel like this is what God is saying to some people. Verse 11. 
Verse 11. We regard no one according to the flesh, including ourselves. Verse 11. One, two, three, we read. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now, what man knows the things of a man except the spirit? Now, before that, he had written certain things like, No eye has seen, no ear has had, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared. What's this? Prepared for those who love. Are there any people here who love Jesus? Okay. So he says, it has not, it's like, it's inconceivable to the eye, to the mind, to the ear, what God has in store for you. But then he says in verse 10, but God has revealed them to us through his, for the spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Then verse 11, what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man? Now, let me, let me try. Let me try. Now, there are things that are yours that you know by the soul, by the mind. When, they, when you go for SSFG, by Elder Peter. And they said, do your net worth. You can say, the house in Nakwero, this much. Cash in this account, that much. Cash here, that much. What else? HMC savings, X number of 100 millions. UAP investments, NSSF, name it. So you list all your assets the way you know them with that mind. Stick with me. But those are not the things you own. What man knows the things of a man? Scripture, scripture, scripture. Scripture, please, on the screen. Except the spirit. All the things you're listing are things that are known by your mind, not your spirit. (laughs) So, if they opened a little bit like this and showed you some of what you have in the spirit. <laughs> Suddenly, you perceive yourself differently, you talk differently, you behave differently. One time, there was a prophet in Samaria. Who had been leaking the secrets of the Assyrians to the Israelite king. And the Assyrians mobilized their army to go and capture the prophet. So when, the, when his assistant woke up to go and brush his teeth outside. <laughs> he was called Gehazi. He's, he, went, he, he was brushing. I don't know what toothbrush... Oh, he was using a stick. 
Then when he did this to put more water, he saw horses. Assyrians. We are finished. We are finished. So Elisha is like, what do you mean we are finished? He's like, open your tent window and see what's outside. And then he laughed. And then he prayed the prayer. He said, Lord, open his eyes see a little bit about the resources at our disposal in the spirit and the guy's eyes got open and the bible says he saw chariots and horses all around you're only counting what you see You don't know that there are angels assigned to your business to, 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 to bring customers. <laughs> don't be limited by what you see with the eye. No eye has seen. No ear conceived. No, no ear heard. No mind conceived. What God has prepared. Like, if you can count it, it is too little to be what God has prepared for you. We regard no one according to the flesh. So when that guy saw the horses, eh? I don't remember what the Bible says next, but I I think he's just started whistling. They don't know what's about to hit them. He went outside and he started brushing with a certain attitude. He even climbed on our aunt hill so that they can see him that he's there. <laughs> what man? You have no clue. You see, you can be here budgeting for your Christmas. Hmm? Counting your money. Trying to figure out how to stretch it until January 20th. Or February. Mm. But you have no clue. One time, we were in a meeting in January. And someone challenged us to double our arise and build pledges. At that time, my pledge was, it wasn't so big, but at that time it was very big. It just took me a, a long time in the year to clear it. It was about 25 million. So when he said double, I'm like, what do you mean? Like, huh? like, what are you saying? 
I don't know why I said it. In my heart, I was like, we are going to double it. You see, I was cultivating all those things because I didn't know that two days from that time, someone would come to my house and say, thank you for loving us, ministering to us. You've changed our lives, etc. And we brought you a small gift and they left behind $10,000. So now, I, I was not count. You see, do you think God knew that those, that resource, that money belonged to me? Yes, God knew. In other words, my spirit, because he was going to the Lord, is one spirit with him. If I'd, if I'd consulted my spirit, my spirit would have told me, you have more money than you, you, you know. But my mind was only counting the money I had, all the sources that I could rely on and say, I know money will come from here and here and here and here and there. Well, oh, thank you. When we were building this building, th- that gallery, I remember that gallery, a certain day came. It was a Tuesday. We were stuck. We were in our office, which used to be behind the screen. That, that was where the, all the arguments about finances used to happen, right behind that screen. It was called the Situation Room. If that room had recorded all the conversations there. So this week comes and we have pushed. And the contractor needed 70 million shillings to cast the concrete that week. But we had also borrowed materials, you know, like over when you go good relationships with the suppliers to the degree of 30 million. So, in, we need 100 million. But we only have about 32 million in the bank. And everyone is stressed. Like, why is this thing not moving? So, we are there around our big table. And then a bright idea hit us. Uh-huh. When I say bright idea, sound effects, what's going on? I need to hire another. This band has gone for Christmas. A brilliant idea. You can come back. So it occurred to us that whereas we tithe as a church, all the money you give by the way, we give 10% of it to other, other ministries. And last year we gave more. This year we have already given more than 1.4 billion shillings to other churches. Now at that time, we used to tithe, we used to give out a 10% of our tithes and our offerings. But all the money for Arise and Build, we used to use all of it. Because we considered it, you know, when you are too educated in your head to make sense of spiritual things, designated income. So because it's designated, you have to use it for the purpose for which it is given. Yeah, like wedding contributions. So we are not tithing the Arise and Build money. So we were 100 million in the hall if we were to go through with the whatever that we 
So when we realize we are not tithing, arise and build money, the, the decision we made as a team is first things we are going to tithe, all the money that has come in this year, that year, at, up to that point. And that year, people had, it was around May, and people had already given up to 350 million. Those days, 350 million was a lot of money. Yeah, for a rise and build. So I said, okay. 35 million must go. But we didn't even have it. We had less. So he said, let's collect money from other accounts, whoever make the 35 million. Send it. Give it. And said, let's send it to Andrew Mark. He was building at that time in Colorado Springs. So we made the decision and we said, we, we will not withdraw the money. Rather, let's add and send. Tuesday. Wednesday. Ring, ring, my phone. <laughs> so they, some, they tell me someone wants to see me urgently. I'm like, who wants to see me this urgently? The issue went on Thursday. There's this person who insists they need to see you. It's not going to be a long time. It is his size. Okay. Let's meet on Friday, 9 a.m. at the hub, our office on Gogo Bypass. So, 9 a.m., I show up at the hub. Like, this case of the person who, who insists they must see me, they don't want to talk to their location pastor, they don't want to talk to their MC shepherd, they don't want to talk to anyone. What do you do? You're the pastor, so you, I wait. And then this lady walks into the office. With a chikapu, you know, chikapu, a bag huh? with 105 million shillings. And she said, I made a pledge of a rise and build of 5 million. There is my 5 million. And this 100, God told me to give it. So there it is. What man knows from that time we've spent billions on these buildings. Now, at that time when I was looking for 70 million shillings, in my spirit, there were all the money that I will ever need to build every worship harvest building as long as I'm the pastor, it's in my spirit. While I was looking for 70 million, there were millions of dollars in my spirit. What man knows the things of a man except the spirit? So what you see with your mind is not what is yours. why someone could see five loaves and two fish and Jesus could see enough food for more than 5,000 people. Because the <laughs> in his spirit he could see enough food for 5,000 people. But the people seeing with the mind could only see five loaves. 
plus left plus 12 basketfuls of leftovers Romans 8 5 6 8 6 for to be carnally minded to think the way this limited is death but to be spiritually minded is life and peace do you know why you are not at peace you are counting what you can see there is what you can't see which you can't even count What man knows the things of a man? You see, in the natural, you count your years. Your 50 years, 80, 100. But in the spirit, you are eternal. That's why Paul was not afraid of death. That's why he was saying, I actually want to transition to the other side where I no longer have to count. But for your sake, I'll stay around and keep counting. Are you with me? The, the thing, people, what God has done for us through that man, Jesus. If we could fathom it, we would change the world. We would change the world. We would change the world. By the way, if you understood what I'm telling you, you would not have to borrow. You don't have to get into debt. I've found that debt is an epidemic in these urban streets. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, an epidemic. Everyone is fighting off debt. Stop borrowing. Tap into your limitless resources of heaven by practicing the principles God gives you. Praise God. Are you with me? So he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, next verse, please. He's a new creation. All things have passed. I behold, all things have become new. This is not an upgrade, this is not improvements, this is not renovations. This is totally new. Many people have come to Christ, but they think a little bit of the old has passed away. But behold, some little new things have come, and the old me is still here fighting sin and and seduction and and habit and I don't know what and addiction and depression and sickness and what. No, please. You can't win thinking like that. Ah. Behold, all things have become new. New. It doesn't matter how old you are. Your body may be old, but your spirit is young always. Ah! What a blessing! All things are new. That is what God has done for us. And 
people go to church every Sunday to be reminded of the old instead of being told about the new and how the new changes everything it changes the way you relate it changes your marriage it changes your finances it's not just talk it's not just talk you know you're in religion when all you have is talk but no evidence that's religion religion is bad it's all things new impossibilities becoming possible oh yes people who had been counting you thought uh, it will never happen for me God makes it new God makes it new I don't know whatever it is the other day someone sent me a testimony I read it I said no I have to see you in person yeah like no, please, yeah. Let's get serious. I, I, this one, I need to first talk to you. I need to be sure what you're saying is real. Oh, yeah. People have come back from death sentences. People who have been told you will not have a child have had children. Because all things are new. all things and he says now all things are of God the new things are what are you getting it combine don't read with the, with the vast numbers we regard no one according to the flesh why all things are passed away the things of the flesh now all things are new which are things of the spirit now the things of the spirit the things which are new are of God. That's why it says, who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. First Corinthians 6, 17. First John 4, 17. Love has been perfected among us in this that we might, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. All things are of God. Ah. people are walking around with tired bodies but inside those bodies they are carrying the life of God they are carrying the life of God they are carrying the resources of God they are carrying what heaven carries oh yes ah, it's amazing to think you have access to that much joy it's amazing that you don't need some gas or liquid or solid to be happy. At all, at all, at all. You don't live outside in, you live inside out. Oh yes. Inside of you is the heavenly place. Bible says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, 3. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The mistake people make is to think, he's talking about in heaven. It doesn't say in heaven. It says in the heavenly places and not in not a heavenly place. But the heavenly places. 
multiple. What does that mean? Every human being who is born again in your spirit is a heavenly place. Because your spirit is directly connected to heaven the same way your phone is directly connected to Google, which is in, uh, in uh, Silicon Valley in California. You don't need to go to Silicon Valley to search about Isaac Wakweka. You just type in here and you'll find out. Likewise, you don't need to go to heaven to experience heaven. You just press. Woo! Heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing. There's nothing left. That's why he says the inheritance of Christ is in the saints. Huh? That's Ephesians 1 1. 18. Try 18. Give us the NLT. The English here is too complicated. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. His holy people who are his rich and as in when you go and ask Jesus, how much do you have? He says, let me show you. Let me show you. We are Hey As in without you Jesus is broke (laughs) That one flew over some heads Without you Jesus is broke Because you are his rich and glorious inheritance All his resources are in, in you You will never look down on yourself another day. You will never allow the devil to accuse you another day. If you understand what God has done for us in Christ. You can walk with confident expectation that everything will be okay. Regardless of what's going on. That that sickness will be healed. That that relationship will be restored. Oh yeah, you're blessed beyond what you can imagine. Verse 18. We're at verse 18. Now all things are of God. All. If we could if we could cut you up and look at your spirit, which we can't do, we would only find God. Wall to wall Holy Ghost. Who has reconciled us to himself through? Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, not accusation, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. How? Not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. How was he reconciling the world to himself? Not imputing. Not counting. Give me NLT. It might help. Because when someone is imputing, they may think of amputation. For God was in Christ reconciling the world himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. Does it say that the people stopped sinning? He just stopped counting.
how you read these verses and go ahead and think other things. Not counting. Look, if you, those of you who think you are too righteous, that this is not true, can we start counting yours? And moreover, you're only going to tell us the ones that are palatable. You will keep all the others, especially the ones we can't see. There are those you commit and you don't even know you've committed them. Because of ignorance, you think you are okay. But God was not counting their sins against them. Why? He was interested in reconciliation. You can never be a friend of a person who always finds fault with you. If every first conversation is, the chicks are too big. The leg is too long. You haven't washed your face. There is no makeup. Why is the hair looking like that? Why is your elbow gray? You know, you, you cannot have intimacy with accusation. And you know what? God wants friendship with us. So he looked at us and said, these ones, they just won't stop. So, <laughs> I might as well forgive. And then let me give them Jesus to help them. You know, when I preach like this, don't think I'm saying God is okay with sin. He's not. He's paid the ultimate sacrifice for sin. He's not okay with it. But neither is he okay with you running away from him when he's the only one who can help you. It's ridiculous when you require people to get warm before they come to the fireplace. What's the point of the fireplace? People should not clean themselves up before they come to God. Every attempt to clean yourself up, you're messing up even more. Have you ever found those kids when they've been playing and then you say, why, why are you like that? Then they start... We are making things worse. That was Adam and the fig tree. You know you've botched it. You're trying to cover with your leaves. That's why Jesus even cast a fig tree. Yeah, why didn't he look for fruit on, on another tree? Why, why specifically a fig tree? It's as if he was trying to find fault with it so he could cast it and show everyone this is the tree. I don't like <laughs> this is the one they were using to cover themselves instead of trusting the, the blood ah. aren't you blessed loved accepted empowered equipped to win next verse I'm finishing now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. Why? The sins are not being counted. If that's what's been keeping you far from God, the sinometer, they switched it off. Yeah. You might be sinning at a hundred sins per hour but the thing doesn't, it's at zero. 
And then they were the only one who can give you the breaks. <laughs> it's God. Because if you start and say, you'll just keep going. For he has made him only on no sin to be sin. It's not that. It's not that God has woken up one day and lost his mind and said, ah, sin is okay. No. Rather, he took his sinless son and made him to become sin without him ever committing one sin. So that he can get you who has millions of sins and make you and look at you and say, you are sin free. Do you understand? It's an exchange. It's not like God is like, ah, sin no longer matters. No, sin matters. So much so that God gave the very best that he had to deal with it. Jesus says, I know you are sinless, you have not done anything wrong, but I want you to die like a criminal. So that these criminals can come in and look like they've done nothing wrong. That is the message. Amen. Can we stand and pray and close this service? Wow. Woo. Are you grateful to God for Jesus? Oh, this is the gospel. Oh, yes. And you know this gospel? It is good news to all sinners around the world. And it is terrible news to religious people who feel like they've earned their salvation. But Jesus is inviting us again and again, saying, come, my children. I am the only one who can help you overcome those difficulties, those sins, those issues. Amen. Amen. So thank you, Father. We honor you. you, Just spend a little moment praying. And if you're here, you've never given your life to Jesus, and you're saying, Pastor, I want to accept Christ. I cannot handle my own sins. I need him. I need the payment that he made for my sins. I would want to pray for you, whether you're here or at any of our locations, wherever you are. Just put your hand up straight and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. If you want to give your life to Christ today, Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't ward it off. Don't wait another day. There is no better day. Thank you, my brother. I see that hand. Today is the day of salvation. I see that hand. I see all those hands across the room. Would you please come here and I I pray with you. Pastors, come and let's receive these wonderful brothers and sisters. Wherever you are, please come. Come. Let nothing hold you back. God bless you. 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 Thank you. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my sister. Keep coming. Keep coming. Keep coming. There is no sin too bad, too big. You are never too far. You are not too far from him. He loves you. He loves you. He's calling you. Say, come. Come, my son, my daughter. Anyone else? If you're still there, you can just walk and come. You can just walk and come.
It is all right. It is all right. Just walk and come. Yes. Wherever you are. Thank you. Thank you. Come all the way. Come all the way here. Anyone else? No fear in the house of God. There is no fear. Only love and grace and mercy. His mercy is calling. Thank you. God bless you. Amen. Can we pray? Awesome. The people here at the front, please pray with me. Can we pray with them so they don't feel awkward? Say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Today. Today. I accept you. I accept you. I receive you. I receive you. As my Lord and Savior. As my Lord and Savior. I receive forgiveness. I receive forgiveness. Of all wrongs. All wrongs. And I take up. And I take up. Eternal life. Eternal life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. That I may serve you. That I may serve you. All my days. All my days. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we celebrate them? Amen. I need you to just go with uh, Brother Trevor here. Can one of the pastors please go with, with them? You're just going here. We want to write your names. Keep praying for you. Keep encouraging you. Amen. Can we celebrate them? Oh yes, celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. Woo! Hey! There is joy in heaven when one person comes to the Lord. There should be joy here. And across all the locations, all the people who are receiving forgiveness and a life eternal. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your children who are here and those who are watching us online, on TV those who are on radio, those in other locations I pray blessing upon them in this season I come against every sickness every sickness bow to the name of Jesus right now every condition, every boil every skin condition every kind of pain, every muscular injury, every nervous condition, every mental issue, bow to the name of Jesus. I curse you. I command you to live and never be back in these people's lives ever again. Thank you for miraculous provision, even in this season. We bless you. Thank you for those who are waiting on you for children. Father, thank you. We speak fruitfulness to every expecting, to every mother that is expecting a child. And those who are carrying children, I speak that they will carry to full term. I come against every scheme of the enemy to terminate life. You shall not succeed. Oh yes, these children shall have long lives. They shall live long and fulfill their calling. We bless you, Father. We thank you. Thank you, Father, for every person who desires marriage, who is not yet married and of age. Father, I declare that this coming year, you shall perform a miracle for them. A miracle for them. We release marriages. Oh, yes. We put an end to to uncalled for singleness, except those that you have called for purposes of the gospel we release marriages to those 
that are waiting on you. May there be speed. In the first three months of 2024, may they have met someone already. And in the latter part of the year, may we have weddings endless. We thank you and bless you. Those who are traveling, Father, we cover them in the blood of Jesus. No accidents, no incidents, and nothing, nothing shall happen that is not of you. We bless you, Lord. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Ah, Merry Christmas! Thank you for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555. We're taking territory.